turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Jesus was once asked, out of all the laws, the 613, can you sum all those laws up? Because there's an awful lot of them. And Jesus, I can sum up all 613. He said, first of all, to love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. That would be the first four commandments. And then he said, and to love your neighbor as yourself. These rules are not there to keep you from having fun. These rules are given as guidelines and guardrails for you to be blessed in this covenant relationship with Almighty God. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, if he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. seated for just a moment. Thank you for coming. We got another full house here. So many people see the Bible as 66 different books. And what we want to do with this series is we want you to see the Bible as all just one story. We know there's a lot of stories within it, but it's all one story. And just to remind you and to set the stage, the Israelites had been in bondage in Egypt for four hundred and thirty years that's like twice as long as the united states has been a country been a nation all right now imagine being in slavery for four hundred and thirty years and so god taps an 80 year old man by the name of moses i got a job for you what's that i'm going to use you to lead these two million israelis out of egypt out of pharaoh's bondage I'm going to have you lead them all the way up to the land of Canaan, what we call today the land of Israel. Now, this was 3,500 years ago. And as you come to church each week, we're going to give you the four most important things you need to know about every time period. So here's the first thing on your list is Mount Sinai. And there's one thing you need to know about Mount Sinai. God basically says, meet me at the mountain. I want to have a covenant relationship with my people. That's Mount Sinai. And then we come to the second major thing. I want you to go to chapter 20. What happens in chapter 20? The Ten Commandments. Write that down. And while you're writing, don't just write 10. I want you to write down the number 613. Because from chapter 20 in Exodus all the way to chapter 31, you have 613 laws 
Now, these 613 laws might seem complicated to most of you, but I'm going to divide them into three categories. I want you to write them down. Number one is the moral code. It's the moral law. Number two is the ceremonial law. And number three is the civil law. All 613 of those laws can be categorized under one of those three headlines. Our morals and our laws today are based on those Ten Commandments that were given 3,500 years ago. The second category is the ceremonial laws, and that's why when you read through them, some of them seem crazy to you because uh, they're not the same ceremonies that we have today, but it was the system that God set up where the priest in the Old Testament would make sacrifices, animal sacrifices, on behalf of the people for their sins. It was God giving them a, a means for whenever they sinned that they could be reconciled to God, that their sins could be atoned for. There was a system. It was the way they worshiped when they came together. They had priests and the Levites, and they had, they had all this ceremony, and there were ceremonial laws. The third type of laws were the civil laws, and, when you, and most of you know what civil laws are. You know, and just imagine, you've got two million people, there's going to be a lot of problems and arguments over land and disputes and relationships and possessions. And so God, in those 613 laws, he had all these uh, what, what's called civil laws to help them uh, understand how to, how to deal. In other words, how to administer justice. You've got two million people, there's going to be some situations that arise. And so, so you have moral laws, you have ceremonial laws, and you have these civil laws. Now, there's two things I want you to know about these laws. Number one, they were given in grace. At the very beginning, when he gave all 613 laws, you have to understand it was grace because God knew that we're going to break the moral code, so he gave us the ceremonial code and the civil code just so those relationships could be restored. So even though they are laws, those laws were given to us in grace. He knew that we were going to mess up. And so he gave us the means to to make amends. I also want you to look back at chapter 19, verse 4, before he ever gave the law, because the law came in chapter 20. But all the way back in verse 4 of chapter 19, he reminds them, before he ever gives them any laws, he goes, I, I, just don't, I, I want you all to remember that when I brought you up out of Egypt, you were down there in slaves for 430 years. I brought you out of Egypt on the wings of an eagle. In other words, he's saying, you didn't do anything to deserve this. I brought you out of slavery on the wings of an eagle. He wants them to know that all of this and even these laws that he's about to give, it's all based on grace. But number two, write this down. They're given or based on love. The foundation of these laws is love. All 613 were based in love. And all the commandments were really love. The first thing I want you to write this down, the very first four have to do with our relationship with God. God wants our relationship with Him to be what it should be. I I want you to look at Exodus chapter 20. We want to read through these because we can, amen, all right? I, I I want to read the Ten Commandments to you. Uh, The very first one is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. What is commandment number one, verse 3? You shall have no other what? God says, I want to be number one in your life. I want to be number one. Commandment number two is in verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. What's he saying? He's saying he wants to be number one 
These first four commandments all have to do with your relationship with God. Commandment number three, skip all the way to verse seven. Verse seven, it says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. How many people this week swore and used God's name in vain? Commandment number four uh, is, is down in verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. God wanted the people one day a week to put everything else aside, no work, no play, to put everything aside once a week and just have that day set aside to worship and honor God. It wasn't your day, it was his day. The Sabbath was his, it belonged to God. And so those first four commandments, he's trying to make sure that our relationship with God is what it should be. Then the next six, the, the, the remaining balance of the 10 has to do with our relationship with one another, okay? So we have, we gotta get right with God and then we get right with one another. Verse 12 is commandment number five. Sometimes I wish this was commandment two or three. But it says, verse 12, to honor your father and your what? See, now we've gone from our relationship with God. Now he's dealing with one another. And he knew parents and children that there'd be strife and division and rebellion. And God put it right there in the middle of those Ten Commandments. Hey, the first commandment in relationships is children. You need to honor your mom and your dad. Commandment number six is verse 13. You shall not murder Life is sacred because it comes from Almighty God. And then you have commandment number seven, uh, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. He's saying, hey, when you have these families and these relationships, husbands and wives, you need to protect that marriage. Do not break the vows of your wedding uh, because when you commit adultery, that it's going to cause all kinds of chaos in that family, in your heart, in the hearts of those that you're involved with. So he's telling us here in these relationships, make sure that your, your relationships are holy and pure. Verse 15 is commandment number eight. You shall not what? Steal. Just imagine if everyone on this planet lived by that one verse. Just imagine. Well, you could leave your keys in your car. You could leave your your money in the mailbox. It'd be safe. It'd be safe if we just lived according to God's law. Can someone say amen? Verse 16 is commandment number nine. You shall not give false testimony. In other words, you shall not lie. And commandment number 10, verse 17, you shall not covet. Uh, Do not covet. Now, I want you to write this down in your notes. God's heart was to bless us, not to oppress us. And that's what we need to understand, that the laws of God are actually for our own good. They are to bless us. And Jesus was once asked, he said, Jesus, out of all the laws, the 613 can you, can you sum all those laws up? Because there's an awful lot of them. And Jesus, I can sum up all 613. He said, first of all, to love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. That would be the first four commandments. And then he said, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He just summed up the rest of them. These rules are not there to keep you from having fun. These rules are given as guidelines and guardrails for you to be blessed in this covenant relationship with Almighty God. And then number three, we come to an idol. It's just amazing to even read through this. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 32. So you have the law from Exodus 20 to 31. So at the end of the giving of the law, if you go to chapter 32, you have the children of Israel 
those two million people out in front of Mount Sinai, they make a golden calf. Moses climbs up on the top of the mountain. And while God is telling Moses the rules to go down and give to the people, God is saying to Moses, rule number one, no other gods. Rule number two, no graven images. While God is saying those words, the people are down on the base of the mountain making a golden idol. Exodus chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods, big G or little g? Little g, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt like he's just some Joe Schmo, we don't, know what ha- well, we don't even know what happened to that guy. Verse 2. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Are you kidding me? Verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar. Now, I wonder where he built the altar. The Bible says he built the altar right in front of the calf. And then he announced these words. Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. Verse 6. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up and indulged in revelry. It was one great big party. Verse 7, then the Lord said to Moses, now if it was me, I would have zapped them all right there. (laughs) That would have been the end of them. But I'm not God. And God's got a story, you see. And I I don't know the story, the whole story yet, but God's got a story. So the Bible says in verse 7 that the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you have brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. Verse 8, they have been quick. To turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf and they have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and they have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Write this down. It is a picture of man's propensity to sin. It speaks of our nature to rebel against a holy God. Everything you see in our country, I look at that and go, now how did that happen? It's happening in our country. How quickly we have become corrupt. How quickly we have bowed down to the idols of this world. And everything you see in this country, the redefining of marriage that's happening this very moment, the bombings in Boston, the abortion clinics that are shedding innocent blood, The greed that exists in this country, the lying and the swearing and the children being disobedient to their parents, all of that is simply rebellion against a holy God. It's happening in our culture. It happened in their culture. After just 30 days, they began to rebel against a holy God. So you have Mount Sinai. God wants to have a covenant. 
You have the Ten Commandments or the 613 where these are the rules and the guidelines. And then you have this idol where the people are already rebelling before they even get the commandments. And then you have, I want you to write this word down, the word tabernacle. And you need to understand the tabernacle. And we save the best for last. And in your notes, I want you to circle the word worship. Just circle the word worship. Because the tabernacle was a place to worship. Do not forget they were on a journey. And they're going from Egypt and they're going to the land of Canaan. Now, it should have only taken them just a few weeks or a few months to go from Egypt today up to the land of Canaan, a couple of months. But instead, it took them 40 years. And the reason they had to go 40 years is because of their sin. You see that people kept complaining and they kept grumbling. Because of their grumbling and because of their sin, instead of taking this journey that should have taken just a few months, God said, you're going to have to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And so this tabernacle was a portable, movable sanctuary as they moved around in that desert. So it was not only a place of worship, but I want you to write this down. It was the place where God dwelled. That's, what, that's what's important for us. Inside the tabernacle, they had this place called the Holy of Holies. It was the holiest place on earth. And for them, it was the place where God lived, the place where God dwelled. But here's the third thing. I want you to write this down. The tabernacle was the place where those priests performed all those animal sacrifices. Now, all three of those points have something to do with us that you need to remember. Number one, write this down. God always wants us to worship him. That happened 3,500 years ago. And the purpose for that tabernacle was for people to worship. And yet here we are 3,500 years later. Guess what God wants? He still wants his people to worship him. Number two, write this down. We are now the tabernacle. We're the tabernacle. Okay? God no longer lives in the Holy of Holies. Isn't that movable sanctuary where does god live the bible says i gave you the text in first corinthians that our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit that god lives and dwells within us okay it all started on sinai god won't have this relationship right and for a while he lived in that holy of holies where does he live now we are the tabernacle, okay? He lives within you. He lives within me. But here's the third thing. Write this down. Jesus becomes our great high priest. And so all of those ritualistic, ceremonial, the shedding of that lamb and putting it on the other lamb and sending it out, none of that needs to happen anymore because Jesus becomes our great high priest. And as I close, I want you to turn to Hebrews 10, and it will explain all that to you. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. There's actually a group of people that are descendants from the 12 tribes of Israel that for the last 3,500 years are the only group on the face of the earth that still today, once every year, they take a lamb and they draw that lamb's head back and they slit that neck and they pour out that blood 
they believe for their forgiveness of their sins. You know it still happens. There's a group that they've done it every year for 3,500 years. And you can see it on YouTube. It's kind of grisly. And when the first time you watch it, it's like, oh, it just it turns your stomach to see them killing this little innocent lamb. If that turns your stomach, what do you think it was like when Jesus died? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. The law. Everyone say the law. It's only a shadow. Oh, it was real for them. It was real for them. But it's only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never. Say the word never. It can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Verse 2. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Skip down to verse 4. It is impossible. Say the word impossible. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Go down to verse 10. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11, day after day, every priest, they stand and they perform his religious duties again and again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but when this priest, who's this priest? This priest is Jesus. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, guess what he did? He sat down at the right hand of of God. And verse 13 says, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstools, and I'm waiting for that too. Verse 14, it says, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I, for the last 2,000 years, we have not needed to go and sacrifice the lamb because when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died and he poured out his blood, the Bible says it was once for all the sins, for all the people, for all of time. And so in grace and in mercy, yes, they had to do all that, but it was a foreshadowing of today when you and I in faith can trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And when he made that sacrifice, it was once for all the people for all time. Amen, amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash 
and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend, or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th, at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.